It's the Chopping It Up Welcome to episode 9 of the Chopping It Up podcast. A podcast about race, race, and race. I'm Noah Filippiak, here with my co-host, Tyler St. Clair. What up, though, baby? Tyler's making an ugly face and wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Please. All my faces Hands are up, ugly. Don't shoot. All my faces are ugly. I know. That was going to be an easy joke. Yeah, you don't get to say that. You took that for me. So, Tyler, Kyle was running late because he was trying to harm this innocent white girl. See? That's how the media do. He was speeding. Oh! And she was minding her own business, and he almost... Uh, killed her with his vehicle. Well, to this, to my white audience, I want to tell you, I, I, I did not try to harm this white young lady. She ran a red Ho-white. light. Ho white. Ho white. Ho white. She ran a red light, and then she kept looking for her like nothing happened. Well, she was on. But, she was on her cell phone and drinking a Starbucks at the same time. Exactly. But you see how the media paint me. Just yeah. how Noah just did it. That's exactly. <laughs> They would have said, gangbanger just hit innocent white girl on her way to church. Mm-hmm. She was innocent. She was. <laughs> I bet you she was wearing yoga pants with a Starbucks coffee. She had a, one of those big scars and everything. Yep. 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 See? In a small car. She went to an Acts, like 20, Acts 29 church. Oh. <laughs> Watch your mouth. Blow, blow. <laughs> Nobody listens to this podcast anyway. It's okay. Speaking of nobody listening to this podcast, did you know, Tyler, that you can email the show at choppingituppodcast at gmail.com? Say what? Yeah. We're sponsored by Gmail. Please email. Yeah. We'd like Please. To, we'd like to hear from you and answer your questions. It was only like Mark and another guy that was like our fan. <laughs> and my mom. That's, That's right. It. Well, here's how I want to get us started. Breaking news. This is a Detroit story for you, you fellas. Detroit Lions are playing the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. You guys excited about that? We're gonna I lose. Care less. We're gonna yeah. lose. I don't care either. I think Kyle does. So this is really funny. Uh, Michael Bennett, the defensive lineman for the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. He's black. He's a beast. But hey, we're all one race, right? Ah, shut up. We're no, all one, we're all one race. Yep. We don't see color. We're the safe people of uh, Israel. You're an Edomite. (laughs) Uh, Where does it say this? All right. On Tuesday, Michael Bennett. Okay, then there's a guy named Zach Zenner. Oh, I like Zach Zenner. Yeah, he's a a running back for the Lions who is white. (laughs) He's a white running back. And uh, on Tuesday, this is an ESPN article. On Tuesday, Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman Michael Bennett called Zach Zenner the best running ba- sorry, the best white running back in the NFL. That's right. <laughs> A day later, Detroit Lions running back essentially said thanks, but he doesn't look at race as part of the picture. <laughs> I love this article. <laughs> it says there are few white running backs in the NFL that are not fullbacks. 
<laughs> and then it lists two other guys. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. Light running back. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? You want to talk about that at all? Oh, man. Uh, he would have been the I guy that chased the slaves back then. No, I, I do think it's sort of funny. Um, when I was playing semi-pro, baby, oh, back in the day. Here we go. 2012. This guy on our team who was black. So I got an interception, Kyle. Did you? And you know what this guy on my team said? He goes, you know why he's throwing the ball to your guy? It's because you're white. He said that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. As in, like- I'm white and nerdy, and this black quarterback in the other team is thinking, I can get the ball past this white guy. <laughs> that was the point you're he was trying to make. You're pretty short, too. You're pretty short, too. I'm shorter than you because you're like Goliath. No, I'm pretty oh. normal-sized. Oh, well, Compared yeah. to me, you're pretty short. Yeah, I'm much taller than Kyle. <laughs> no, you're not taller. Than Kyle. But it is funny, like, when you talk about sports, people try to say things like there's <laughs> – it, it's interesting if you look at sports because you have certain sports that are I, – I don't even know why. I don't have a reason for it, but culturally are played more. You don't have very many black soccer players. You have pretty limited black baseball players. You have a lot of black NBA players, obviously. Mm. Uh, it's a huge part of black culture. It's borderline racist. Yeah. This is about, you can, this is about to take a turn for the worst. You, you, <laughs> yeah, it's turning. You can say that just like Zach Zenner says. What if Zach Zenner had said something like, I am the best white running back in the league. <laughs> That's my point. Is Embrace it. It probably would have been true. <laughs> it's, right. Embrace it, Zach. I don't, I, don't uh, I haven't been watching the Lions, let alone any NFL football. I didn't even know the Lions had a, a white running back, first of all. Yeah. But I think he's like fourth string, and everyone else is injured, from what I've gathered. He's the best <laughs> ever. Heart. He should be first string. He should be starting. Oh, man. I don't want to take a lot of time on this. I just thought it was funny. But, but you know, that, that whole racial dynamic has always kind of been in sports. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember Jimmy the Greek back in the 80s got fired for saying the most racist things ever about how blacks are superior athletes because how they were bred during slavery time, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, other, 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 uh, commentators have made comments about blacks not being able to play quarterback because of their inferior intellect. So that, that whole, oh, yeah. that whole thing has been in sports forever. I always thought like <clears throat> the combine was like a slave marketplace. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> it's right. Like, right. How right. run? How fast can he run? <laughs> oh, how t- how the, can he jump? How high can he jump? How big oh, is then, he? Let's measure his measure biceps. Them. Oh, the way they measure him, it looks so. It's <laughs> the worst. How anyone watches that? They, they that on TV. <laughs> watch it Kyle watches it. It's the transatlantic oh. slave trade, baby. Yes. Oh, it's the most uncomfortable thing. I, I don't think anybody watches that, honestly. <laughs> I, well, never mind. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll pick up on our more serious conversation from Let's last episode. We talked about why aren't churches more diverse. Check out that on episode eight today. Tyler's turning over a new leaf for New Year's. It's good to hear that go. he's trying to be positive, trying to be I am. <laughs> trying to be proactive, come up with solutions. That's a good thing go. for once in his life. And so, first time for everything. First time for everything. Tyler had the idea that we should talk about 
helpful ways to increase diversity in the local church. Mm. T- Tyler, do you want to start? No, um, white people first. <laughs> well, you know. White privilege, baby. We do like to talk. Your privilege. Uh, yeah, I don't mind starting. Um, I think that, and I can answer for white people, I guess, the white side of things, because I do think it's very different. I think if you're going to say we're going to make a multiracial church and you're a predominantly white church trying to do that, uh, mm-hmm. that's very different than if you were a predominantly black church that was going to try to be multiracial. Uh, and we have to be real about the differences. One of the main differences is white culture has been the dominant culture forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the church, it's the dominant culture. And so when you talk about... You don't want someone to have to assimilate into... You, if you're going to be multiracial... You can't have one side assimilating into the other completely, Mm -hmm. but it's especially important when the white side is the dominant side as a majority and in leadership. And so I say all that to say the first thing that needs to happen before anyone tries doing anything practically is the leadership of the church. And this would be true of a white or a black setting, um, but especially in a white setting, needs to be trained and educated about race. Uh, without mm-hmm. that training, and there's a, I, I know of one excellent one in Grand Rapids that I've been through twice. It's the it's a three day workshop, three full days. Uh, it's it's one of the best things I've ever been to. Uh, without that sort of background, I don't see how doing multiracial church is really gonna work. I, I don't know how it's gonna be possible beyond just something that's on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um. Kind of to piggyback on that and kind of piggyback where we left off last week is it needs to be um, preached from, uh, preached about. Um, we see that, we see that all through, we see racism, we see uh, ethnocentricity, we see all of that in the Old and New Testament. So um, it needs to be preached about um, as, as a sin to only want to assimilate with those who look, think, act like you. Um, preach the gospel implications um, of Jesus uh, tearing down that dividing wall in Ephesians 2 and Galatians 3 and Colossians 3. I, I think that's where you start. Um, and I would also add platform. You have, you, you have to platform um, diversity, not in a, not in a uh, way of tokenism, but show that um, people of co- people of color preach the gospel. Uh, people of color are faithful to scripture, preach expositionally, um, and and dare I say, some are even reformed in theology. So um, you have to show that and expose your people to that, because as far as on the white side, I'll speak on the white side, because like I said, they are the dominant culture. Um, they have so many caricatures of, of black preachers caricatures of uh, black church mm-hmm. you need to begin to kind of tear those things down and show that um, you know not all black preachers hoof and sweat and and do all the the antics that you see um, and that they're faithful to scripture and, and and preach Christ and Christ crucified so I would say first start by you know exposing your people to um, opening your pulpit to faithful 
gospel preaching and teaching man. And without the training, when you're talking about preaching, I mean, so you're you're talking about bringing in people of color to preach, and that's certainly a starting point. When the white preacher goes to preach on these issues, so that that that's another piece of it. You you have to see, like you said, Tyler, that. Um, just wanting to be with people that are like you is a sin, mm-hmm. and this is a part of our discipleship. So this is a biblical issue, and it's a part of our discipleship. Yeah. So you have to preach mm-hmm. on things that are related to discipleship. You not only have to preach on them, you have to be able to do classes on them. You have to be able to t- train people about them. Mm-hmm. And if as a leader, you've never... I'm just telling you, for unless you're a white person who grew up you know, maybe is the only white person on your block sort of thing. And those people are certainly out there. Even then, uh, that context would still need some training behind it, I would think. But my point is, if you're white, you just don't know what you don't know. You weren't taught it in school. You weren't taught a full history in school. Uh, You just don't know what you don't know, especially if you grew up like I did, where you grew up in a white suburb. You went to a white church. You, You went to a white college and just having a couple black people around, that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. You just don't know what you don't know about American history, about systemic racism. <laughs> and these are things you have to know about. Uh, we we mm-hmm. talk often about different books on the podcast to read. If you can't find a training to go to, uh, books like The New Jim Crow, uh, Divided by Faith. Watch the documentary 13th that we've talked about on here before. You, mm-hmm. you've, without that education, you're... It's like trying to fly an airplane, and yeah. you've never you've never went to pilot school. I mean, it's just it's just not going to end well. Slavery by another name is another good book. Slavery hmm. by another uh, by another name. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and and to piggyback on that, I, I also encourage a lot of my uh, white brothers. Um, you have to read a lot more widely. You know, um, we joke, you know, about the circles that I run in, um, predominantly white reform. Man, that's all those cats we read. White mm-hmm. reformed authors. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of. I mean, and I, and I had I had to, and it, it took a lot of research, but I I I developed a list of about uh, 16, 17, I think maybe close to 20 different black authors going date, dating back to slavery to now, and just began reading um, black theologians, black mm-hmm. preachers, reading reading their sermons, studying black church history. Um, and that gave me a a, a better framework, a f- a framework to uh, build upon, as opposed to this is why the black church is like this, based on what I heard or what I experienced, and vice versa. So a lot of a lot of ignorance is um, encouraged by just reading, you know, your John Piper's, and I love John Piper. I'm not knocking yeah. John Piper at all, but just reading your same old people that you always listen to, going to the same well, as opposed to reading other men of color that are faithful to scripture kyle will like this but if you go to my blog (laughs) there it is you can find the interview i did with brian loritz and that's on my other podcast can we get one episode without you plugging your other podcast my goodness or blog man see we're just we're trying to get out of the hole I hope black people. I hope Black Superman yeah. fries you today <laughs> with his laser beams. You know, another helpful tip is um, just guys. I wasn't done. See, <laughs> look at that. 
He's never yes, done. Ma- All right, master. <laughs> I can speak when you says I can speak. <laughs> I was having a rough day after almost killing that white girl. <laughs> He's having a rough time. Listen, we need to pray I'm for him. Just, I'm just thinking about the 25 of life I could have got I just know. from My, scratching her. I know, man. I know My it's rough. So, <laughs> what I was saying about the interview with Brian Loritz, I was just going to quote him that when you go... This isn't going to happen accidentally at your church. Mm-hmm. You have to be very intentional about it. It is a huge myth that it's just going to happen mm-hmm. if you love people. And even if it did somehow happen that way, you wouldn't be multi-ethnic. You'd be maybe multicolored, um, but you would just mm-hmm. be this surface-level facade of diversity. Mm-hmm. But it's that, even that isn't going to happen. You have to be intentional. You have to put it into your five-year plan into your your documents your mission statement possibly you have to preach on these issues you have to mm-hmm. talk about these issues you have to say this is our goal and this is why it's our goal and Loritz I like that he mentioned this because we've seen this in our church and it's nice to know that this is normal but people will leave your church when you do this mm-hmm. I'm sure it would happen in a black church as well yeah. but especially oh, yeah. in a white church it's going to happen because you're starting to talk about things that honestly some people just aren't mature enough they're not ready for they haven't they're just not ready to hear about white privilege they're not ready to hear about systemic racism they're not ready to hear about uh, police brutality and this if, if you're saying we're one body and this is the reality of the people of color in your church you have to talk about their reality from the stage and when you do that people will leave the church mm-hmm over and over and over again. Now, people will join the church as well because they'll see what you're trying to accomplish and they'll they'll find out, oh, there's a church that's a multiracial church and they're addressing these issues. So it goes both ways. But it's not easy when people leave your church. So you have to know ahead of time that's going to happen and it, you have to know that it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing is, is we have the advantage of being a, a, a new plant. So I don't, it's not a, we, we already established the right. DNA for diversity now. Uh, but one thing that we uh, did and been trying to be intentional about doing is creating space for people to rub rub together. Um, of d- more so, like we we have different um, ethnicities, but we also have um, different classes as well. Oh yeah, so yeah. Putting putting together uh, things where people are forced uh, forced may not be the right word, but uh, somewhat forced to fellowship with people that are different from them. Um, as opposed to a lot of times in churches, people kind of click together in different pockets, um, class-wise. But you know, we try to do things that we break up those, break up those things, and and um, make people fellowship and get to know people that are different from them that they otherwise would probably just ignore and look for someone similar. Kyle, what were you gonna say earlier? I was. Uh, the reason why a lot of these things are important because I, I just don't want people to listen to this and say, hey, we want to be diverse, but I want you to think about why do you want to be diverse? And uh, one of the things that come to mind now is that since um, and we, we've been talking about these issues all throughout our podcast, it's just about the, the killings of blacks and just the police brutality. And, and this has led a lot of black brothers and sisters to leave the gospel. 
Um, this yeah. has led a lot of people to follow these Afro-centralized cults and religions. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a brother who's close to me. He's now embracing the uh, ideologies of the Nation of Islam. Mm. Um, so part of the reason why it's important to be diverse is because you have to make sure when speaking about those things, you could be pulling a brother uh, back to the faith. Um, You can help Mm -hmm. people see the gospel in light of what's actually going on, which is uh, very important because right now we're kind of backtracking. People are finding hope in the idea that blacks are, blacks are, you know, we, we are the, we are the kings, we are the gods, and uh, all these different ideologies that's leading people away from the faith. So, yeah. so, so we, it, it's it, it's much more than filling seats with black faces, but it's it's bringing brothers and sisters of color uh, back to the faith, keeping them rooted in the faith and the gospel. Because a lot of things that I see is that when we don't do that, then yep. it, sh- it shows it shows that. Uh, a, a lack of a lack of care for the brothers and sisters that actually live mm-hmm. in faith. Um, so, as Christians, we have to be involved in, in 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 that issue as well because that's a big thing that's happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. When I was uh, younger, I, that could have been me. I drifted mm-hmm. towards Islam. I, I went to Malcolm X Academy in Detroit, um, and they didn't press us towards Islam or even push us towards Islam. But I saw the strength in the Muslim community. Mm. I saw the strength of their men. I saw how they organized and took care of the people in their community. I see I saw how they took care of the orphans and the widows. I saw how the fathers were in the homes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this is totally different from my church, which I didn't see any of those things. Mm-hmm. And 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 if you walk into my church now, you'll see a huge picture by old my childhood church. You'll see a twelve foot picture of uh, blue eyed, blonde hair, lily white Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I grew, I grew up th- I grew up thinking that I was a part of a white man's religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I turned eighteen, I turned my back. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So and that's what's happening to more and more uh, young black brothers and sisters because the Christianity of the West, the Christianity of America, has been so bleached and whitewashed. Man, we, forget, we we don't even talk about uh, we we skip we go from Jesus, Acts, Reformation. We mm. skip that whole period where there was rich uh, church history, um, the Coptic Church, Athanasius, Augustine. I mean, we we yeah. Tertullian. We skip we skip all of the richness that came from uh, black and brown uh, brothers, all their contributions, and skip right to Luther, and then wonder why people are saying this is a white man's religion you know Mm -hmm. and with that when you look at a church there are some you know metrics or practical things i mean you you can find this uh people that do multi-racial church stuff will tell you one thing is 20 percent sociologists say that the 80-20 percentile, that's where you can technically call your church multi-ethnic. If one, mm-hmm. if one ethnicity is greater than 80%, uh, then, then it's homogenous. And the, the idea mm-hmm. is once you get a 1 to 5 ratio, then at least 
it, it's not tokenism at that point. And at least that 20% feels like they have a voice, a legitimate voice. Now, I think even 20% is, is a pretty low <laughs> bar if you're saying we want to be, you know, multi-racial, uh, multi-ethnic. But w- one thing that's also important is leadership. And it's, it's not easy. Um, it's not easy. You know, it, it's a temptation. I'll just be real, you know, for um, my co-pastor and I, we're both white, and over the years, as it's been since 2008, since we've intentionally been trying to be multi-racial. So that's... I don't even know what year it is anymore. Is that nine years now? That's a long time. So in nine years, I mean, there's certainly been people that I saw black or brown skin on, and it was like, wow, they're they're qualified to be a leader, you know. And uh, you can have some really disastrous things happen when you do that. Uh, so you have to be really careful that your zeal for wanting to be diverse and multiracial in leadership uh, doesn't blind you, and you still have to go through biblical ways of of measuring if a leader is qualified to be a leader. And I don't just mean as an elder, but, you know, just other, mm-hmm. any other sorts of, of leadership, but certainly eldership as well. And there's a lot of cynicism about this, you know, even the question of how do we give solutions to becoming more multiracial. You'll often just get a lot of cynicism, um, and, and I don't like that. I think it's worth talking about solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing is it is okay to hire someone of color, um, with the intent of we want to be a multiracial church. And mm-hmm. when we first presented that idea to our church several years ago, some said <laughs> their first thought, and this is just the patterns people have, the paradigms people have, is they said, isn't that, that reminds me of affirmative action, is what they said. <laughs> and and, the, and then someone else said, you know, the, just the same. Well, what if, what if a white person applied and they were more qualified than the black person? You know, there's these tapes that people have in their heads about mm-hmm. these issues where they just don't understand. And it's just a reminder that when you go into this, there's so many fronts that you have to educate people on. And you have mm-hmm. to get people ready for and prepare them for. And even the way you present the job description. Um, you know, I know there's a church that I'm close, you know, with a lot of people there and it's it's an awesome church they have a black uh guy that teaches as uh, the teaching pastor does a great job the church traditionally has been very white and i've had several people tell me from the church well we didn't hire him because he was black we hired him because he was the most qualified person and <laughs> something about that just really irritates me because they're they're their thought is, well, we would sound racist if we just said we hired him because we were black. And I'm thinking, oh my what if you actually wanted to be multiracial? What if you were following the Bible's commands and you said that a black or brown, Hispanic, you know, whatever it might be, a non-white preacher would be a really good thing for a mm-hmm. church that's been traditionally white. And that qualification-wise, you're saying that's a qualification we're looking for. We're looking for yeah. a team that is diverse and is biblical. it's a biblically diverse New Testament church. That's the, what we want to have, and that's the qualifications we're looking for. It just it, it bothers me when that's not even on people's radar, yeah. or it, it is, and they pretend like it's not. Just, just be up front with it. Be up front about your mission, your direction. It's not going to be an accident. Now, if you do hire someone of color, you you don't hire them just to tokenize them. You don't say, oh, now we have a black guy on staff. Now now we're good. I, I've heard from several black ministers that are the only 
black a person or person of color on their staff, and some of them have just awful experiences with it. And so, anyway, there's there's a lot that goes into it. But hiring is not a bad thing um, yeah. because sometimes you can't develop them from within. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, to piggyback on that, often the church in America reminds me of that dad that shows up to the party with the members-only jacket and the Levi's jeans, just old and out of place and, <laughs> and way, way behind. The NFL has a Rooney rule. <laughs> oh, right, right. I mean, the, the NBA and other, other, other corporate entities have rules in place because they realize that diversity is not just going to happen in a country that has as much uh, racial baggage and racism as we have. It's not just going to poof and happen. So, I mean, the NFL put the Rooney rule in place to make sure that majorities are even looked at and given opportunity. So why, why as the church do we always have to be so behind everything? No, let's say, hey, we're looking. That was one of the things I, I, I intentionally prayed for. I said, I want a, a white co-pastor. I want a white co-elder. And I knew it would be awkward at some times and kind of weird. And it, it is a little bit, but I mean, we're getting used to it and, the guy we have, he's going through our eldership program. He's a great guy. Him and his family have been a tremendous blessing. But that was something that I wanted because I wanted a church that was diverse. Mm-hmm. If I would have, if it would have been me, and uh, and because our musicians black, so me, a black musician, and another black uh, co-elder, our church wouldn't have been diverse. It would have been a tradition. It, w- it would have just been a church that was traditionally um, black, you know, by, with a black pastor. So. That was something that we were intentional about. I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a, a number two guy that is white. And um, bless his heart, but he's as white as they come. He's lily white. <laughs> so, Tyler, that's interesting. What, uh-huh. what kind of advice would you give to uh, some of the churches that, that are out here that are predominantly black? Um, mm-hmm. What are some tips you can give them to be uh, more diverse? Uh, what, what is some steps they should take? Well, one, one, I would try to tell them that, especially in the city, the city is changing. Detroit is changing. Our, the nations are coming to Detroit. So if, if you, if you, if you want to just be a homogenous black church and 15 years from now, your church probably won't be open. That's just, that's just what's, that's what the city is changing. You know, my, my neighborhood is becoming whiter. Um, certain pockets of the city are becoming whiter. Um, so just for <laughs> just looking long term, if, if you stay at this path, it, it, it's going to be um, like the dying existing white church. Um, two, I would say I would point them back to scripture that, you know, diversity is something that God um, smiles at and something that God requires. But uh, practically, I would I would it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I think in a lot of ways, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's harder for blacks, um, but. I don't know, in some ways I think it is. <laughs> um, but I would encourage them to um, talk to some white pastors in the suburbs. Mm. Um, if you if you have any if you have any uh, youth pastors, if you have any young adults, I mean, honestly I think starting with millennials, you know, this generation will be good. You know, you get a, a 45, 50 year old guy, you know That's a good point. You know, I mean, and I, and I hate to, I hate to, I hate to be that way, but no, it's true. Uh, I mean, younger, young adults, millennials, they are way more open to diversity. They are way more uh, used to living in diverse scenarios. 
the average middle-aged white guy, th- they're kind of, you know, been in that church circle, been in there, uh, running in those circles. And yeah, I don't know if diversity is going to just happen for them. Uh, and some rare occasions, yes, but I would say, hey, get a young dude, uh, a youth pastor or whatever, uh, someone who's interested in diversity, someone who has a passion for the city. Hey, let them do an internship at your church. You know, let them come and kick the tires and hang around and, and see if he, if he develops a, a passion for the city and, and you'll see what God does from there. But I would definitely start with someone younger, definitely start with a, with, with a millennial because, man, um, the older generation is just, yeah, racist. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not saying. <laughs> Don't listen to Kyle. He's still thinking about that girl that he tried to kill. It's just they, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm around millennials, and they get diversity. Yeah. It's natural. It's a right. lot more natural for them. Um, their their workplaces are more diverse. Um, their friendship, their, their their friend circles are more diverse. We're smart. Um, they're 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 um, they hang around sinners a lot more. You know, most Christians when they get at that age, they hang around Christians and only Christians. Mm-hmm. So. I would say, man, start start with this generation. They 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 really have the opportunity to make the church in America really diverse. That mm. point that point is true. The other way around too. I've heard from several black pastor friends of mine that I've asked about that good and bad experiences we've had, and they say, oh yeah, there there's an. I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree with this, but I've heard from several people. There's an age almost barrier in the black community amongst the older generation and the younger where mm-hmm. they said if you get someone you know talking about like a leader in the church that you, that you want to be your kind of your right hand person to do this multiracial thing is like if you get someone who's over 50 um man they, they're just gonna be stuck in yeah. the black church you know old oh, yeah. school oh, way yeah. of doing yes, things sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and even even gospel music there's an old gospel and then there's a new gospel you yeah. know mm-hmm. And those are, me growing up, When I, I remember when I was in middle school, we were, like all these white Baptist churches had these worship wars over the organ versus the guitar, you know, and it's almost like the same type of split. And these is. are from black oh, pastors yeah. that are in their 30s and 40s, and they're, they, mm-hmm. they laugh and they say, bless them, you know, bless the generation before us, but no, they're, they're not going to want to merge with you. They're not going to want, they're not interested in that at all. So that's important to know. Yeah, um, it's true, man. Practically. Um, I mean, most most people. I mean, I love it all. I mean, I, I grew up in church. I'm I'm an old school church boy. I, right. I started singing the choir when I was two years old, literally. Uh, but man, these kids don't want to hear no precious Lord take my hand. <laughs> I mean, they they just they don't even they don't even register with them a lot of that stuff. So yeah, and there and there there is some richness to it, and 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 I and what I try to do is explain the history and explain, um, you know, that this comes from a lineage of people who were oppressed but still served Christ and still were faithful to the Lord. You know, and these were the songs that got them through. So I, I try to explain a little bit, but it's still like, man, that, I don't want to hear that old stuff, man. And I would say, as a last thought on this, you have to be very candid, and you have to be peop- have people you can be candid with. Mm-hmm. There's even, even at Crossroads, there's some conversations we should have even more candid than we've had. But really, if you're black, you need to find... A white person, if you're white, you need to find a black person that you can be very comfortable with, basically asking yeah. the question, what do you think is weird about my culture? And mm-hmm. by, by weird, I mean, like, if we were to do whatever it is that you're going to say in a worship service, you would just you would just not be able to get it. 
And you got to find what those things are because there's going to be those things on the edges that you're just going to have to get rid of. And then, I mean, it can be done all different ways. I'm not prescribing something, but you need to know what, if you're white, you don't know what the black culture thinks is weird about your culture because it's your culture. It's all you know. Mm -hmm. And if you're black, it's the same thing. You want to be respectful. So it has to be someone you trust and you know, hey, we're just going to be candid. It's really weird and uncomfortable when you do this. And sometimes... You just got to be like, look, deal with it. You got to, but at the same time, you got to realize what you're trying to accomplish. You have Mm -hmm. someone who's mature uh, who might be able to deal with that. But then you have someone who's not, who's just not going to be able to deal with it. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, it's it's not easy, I'll say that, but you have to have those types of conversations for sure. Yeah. At the very beginning, his name is Dan. Um, um, By this time next year, he'll be my co-pastor. Um, but we started talking through those things at the very beginning because there's just some stuff that white folk do that I just do not understand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it confuses me. Yeah. Um, I laugh sometimes. Sometimes I cringe. And I'm sure it's vice versa. Yeah. Uh, he, comes from, he comes from a more traditional Baptist background. So I know if, if, he, if, if I'd have put him in my uh, old school Kojic church, He'd have, he'd have been, <laughs> they they in there passing out and running laps and all that kind of having praise breaks every five minutes. Church so, four uh, or five hours. <laughs> you know, but we we talked about those things and we talked about what we wanted, what we wanted Cornerstone to look like as far as being truly diverse and that mm-hmm. means it's going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a lot of bit of this, none of this, none of that. Yeah. But yeah, have, having those conversations and and just and admitting your ignorance. I just say, man, there's some things about. When I go to uh, some some white churches, I'm I'm confused. Sit down, stand up. I don't know what's going on. It's like aerobics. Sit down, standing up, reading. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what's going on. So, but uh, talking through those things is very helpful. That's awesome. Do you guys want to talk about the alt right? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> alt right. What is right? <laughs> Hail Trump. Alt-Right National Policy Institute. Over the weekend, they gathered in Washington to celebrate Donald Trump's victory. You're an idiot. Here's That's how why. They celebrate. This is recording. Don't Nazi talk. Nazi propaganda terms, bashing Hillary Clinton's minority support, and saying America belongs to white people. Woo! Also this. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! <laughs> Everyone's doing the uh, Nazi salute right now. Listeners who can't see. I'm doing it too. <laughs> Kyle's doing it too. <laughs> that video comes from the Atlantic. In that same speech, apparently, he also questioned whether Jews are actually people. The Trump team has responded in a statement. This is from spokesman Brian Lanza. Quote, President-elect Trump has continued to denounce racism of any kind, and he was elected because he will be a leader for every American. To think otherwise is a complete misrepresentation of the movement that united Americans from all backgrounds. Back now with our panel. Kaylee McEnany, this was not a... All right. He said he questions whether Jews are actual people. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. These people are crazy. Right. And where do they meet? Didn't they meet somewhere near the White House? That was in Washington. Yeah, I know that. No, not in Lansing. No. (laughs) Probably in in Howell. (laughs) Hey, man, I I was doing good in Howell. They, They were pretty nice to me, man. Good. Yeah, uh, what I what I think is interesting about the alt right 
Kurt had the idea for us to talk about it. And uh, who? Kurt. Two white people. Shout out to White Chocolate, my That's man. Right. My head up. And I said, well, there's two things. One, yeah, obviously, it's very racist. But a little bit. for your average white person, it almost inoculates you to racism. So you can watch that and say, those are the racist people. Mm. And that's what racism is. We have this idea that racism is only the KKK. Racism mm-hmm. is only calling someone the N-word. You know, racism is that. Is It's that sort of idea. Not And, and that's what's funny about even the spin by the, the Trump campaign after that. That uh, that they denounce that and, and, and they're not racist and those sorts of things. But racism takes many forms. Systemic racism, the whole build that wall chant that they did. Exactly. That's very racist. <clears throat> to call Mexicans that come across the border rapists and murderers is exactly. very racist. And so we just have all these double standards about racism where it's almost like the alt-right serves white people because we can point to them and say, those are the racists. Like, I'm not doing Hail Hitler like they are. So then I can have all these prejudices and all these stereotypes about people of color, and I'm not racist. And I can live in a society where uh, I live... I have way more advantages given to me because I'm white than a person of color does. But the fact that I'm good with that, and if you talk about it, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong and I'm going to get angry. But I'm not racist. Don't don't tell me that. And so there's just a lot that 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 word is it's misunderstood. It's a yeah. misunderstood word. You forgot. You forgot um, not letting Muslims into the country, too. Exactly. Yeah, very racist. This was the yeah. most racial undertone right. election I've ever witnessed or even read about. It, I mean, this guy won based on the plans to keep, um, and I'm going to say this, to keep whites safe, in a sense. Uh, because with the blacks, it was he said, what do you got to lose? <laughs> what do you have to lose? It's like... Everything, every, everything, you know, and every the the question I would ask, like, um, I I stopped having these debates because they were so useless, um, and I and I stopped posting about politics on Facebook, but um, one guy who was a Christian and another guy who was a Christian, um, they were really opposing me for for the fact that I was against Trump. And uh, they said, well, we don't want any more, um, you know, baby killers in office. Oh, We're tired gosh. of people killing babies. And I, I, to myself, I just said, you know that that's not the only reason why you're voting for Trump. It's not it's not as his views on abortion. In fact, he's not even going to change um, what, what's in place regarding abortion. Um, especially he's been recorded, you know, either pro-life or pro-choice, but that's neither here or there. The fact is, is that this election was so much about color and now people of color are afraid. We don't know what's going to happen. Now it's all about whether Medicare, Medicaid and social security will be, will be removed. Um, and I, I, I know a lot of family members who depend on that. Um, and it, it's section it, eight two. Yeah, section eight two. 
a lot a lot of us depend on that a lot of us be, because of the the scenario and i and i know some some white brothers and sisters that depend on it and and that used mm-hmm. to depend on it you know um so it's i i really wish we will understand that you know we just got to come to the truth of, of the fact of a matter of of what's really going on we can't be blind to these racial undertones we can't be blind to what's what how you know how this uh, what's going on might affect another brother or sister of another race you know i, I know um, uh, those of the muslim community they're they're afraid you know uh there yeah. was a guy who just got kicked off a plane uh because of you know they were speaking in arabic and it's it's just like it goes back to why the church has to be diverse. These the times are sensitive. Um, we we have to be sensitive to you know the woes and the issues of people of different races because it's it's just crazy for everyone right now. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole alt right thing. I, I saw that clip. I was just like, I mean, it's hey, my head up. What up, though, oh, baby? <laughs> my man. White chocolate in the house. The the velvet tones of white chocolate. That's right. <laughs> the silky tones. He can't hear you. Right. Oh, oh. We'll make him man. listen to the podcast. We'll have one listener. Exactly. Well, He's our faithful listener. listener. Yeah. Bless his heart. Yeah, but, I mean, with the whole alt right thing, I mean, it's, it it should come as no surprise. Again, the the whole narrative was um, make America great again, but it Woo! was not. It was not. It was not make America um, whole or make America uh, equitable or make America great. Uh, make America just. It was we're going to put white people back in their rightful place. Exactly, uh, it's masters, superior, yeah. kings. <laughs> because because the the Latino population is growing, uh, the black population is staying stable. So in t- in twenty fifty, white people will be. And the minority, and, and a lot of people. Be are, back. <laughs> uh, white, and white people are scared. White people are scared. That's true. That. Right. No, that's very true. Uh, episode seven. He's scared of this podcast. Chopping it up. Two episodes ago, we talked about this at length. So, if listeners want, they can check that out. But I think with the alt right specifically, there's a reason that well, they've never had a rally. At the White House before for for another campaign that was victorious, right? Not at all. Um, because yeah, there there were definitely those undertones there. So to act like, um, you know, to, for for the Trump's uh, campaign to just immediately just you know disassociate disassociate themselves from those people. Of course, they have to do that, but mm-hmm. it, 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 they know that they got all those votes and that they that it worked you know that it worked but i think practically that I, I don't want this to just turn into a uh political sort of topic only i want us to think about mm-hmm. racism and for mm-hmm. again your av- when i say average white person i'm talking about myself eight years ago you know a person that has just lived very homogeneously their whole life and grew mm-hmm. up in a white community and went to white churches and white schools that we have to learn and this is why the education is so important go to a workshop read these books but we have to mm-hmm. learn that there's m- more than one type of racism the alt right yeah. is only one type of racism mm-hmm. it is 
awful and it exists. And, and so for someone who says that even that doesn't exist, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, the type of racism that you see in them, you'll see that on Twitter sometimes, you know, that's an awful sort of racism. But there's a much more pervasive and prevalent racism uh, that that is in the very systems of our country. It's in the ways mm -hmm. neighborhoods are built. It's in the way school districts are built. It's in who's in control, who's in power, and who's in power yeah. to stay in power. It is mm -hmm. some deep, deep, deep stuff. And so, yeah. um, we just need, and we need to not fear that word racist. And 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 uh, you called me a racist. You know, I mean, that's right. <laughs> just to, can we just talk about racism? And let's let's handle it in our own lives and ex ex examine how we've contributed to it, and then we can then we can move forward. Yeah, it's 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 way more subtle. Uh, it's, it's it's way more it's way more subtle than the alt right. That's the extreme. Or you look at um, some of the some of the the just vile bigotry that comes from some of these uh, pan-African movements, you know, referring to white people as right. uh, subhuman and all that stuff. I mean, Kyle says that to me all the time. Well, well, it's true in your instance. But <laughs> that's right. Not white people in general. Not but, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> but, Kurt is but okay. That, uh, I, that's my man, not, not Noah. But um, it's, it's way, that's, the, that's, the, that's the extreme, man. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the extreme. It's way more subtle. And it, and it, and it, it plays out when you walk in, when I walk into a store, and um, I get asked, "Can I help you?" forty-seven times. Yeah. I, I, I know. I know what I'm here to get. For. <laughs> I, I got followed. <laughs> I got I'm followed not, at Hobby Lobby like, uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you? Uh, why were you in Hobby Lobby? You deserved to be. Hobby Lobby is all Christians. That's right. I, that's no why I got those plates for our Christmas party. Amen. That's scripture. Yeah. Hey, let yeah, me I give mean, a. You, let me give a um, shout out. Let me give a shout out. <laughs> Look at Kyle's face. <laughs> He's trying to get a sponsor. Shout out. I just want to say that as white as I can. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Back to what Tyler was saying. He made me lose my train of thought. Uh, He's talking about Noah's association with the alt-right movement. Oh, um, his bumper stickers. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. No, I mean, but yeah, it's more subtle. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll go into a store, and I'll, I'll notice if there's a white man, if, if there's a white man in front of me, he gets how How are you doing today, sir? And then when I walk up, it's it's just a head nod and hello. <laughs> now, I mean, I see. Oh, I see that all the time. I right. see it all the time. Or, or, or it's funny. It, it's funny how it works with us, with, with black people. A white man to get called sir, and when I walk up, I, hey, what's up? What up, big dog? Right. <laughs> why, why what up, homie? Say how Noah do it. You know, homie. Why am I not? So I mean, but it's just all, it, it plays out every. It's it's so subtle. It's so subtle, and 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 man, you you might as well. I mean, you call a white person a racist or accuse them of any kind of racism. That's 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 man. You might as well curse their parents. They hate that. You're right. But I mean, it's for all of us to examine our hearts and look. at because there, there's man, there's so much, there's bigotry and prejudice in my heart that yeah. that that springs up often, yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's black supremacy that springs up. Yep. That I have to that I have to constantly check. That I constantly have to repent of. But I mean, it's for us to notice, repent, um, believe what the word says, and not just say, "Well, I'm not a racist. Oh, I'm not a bigot." It's in all of us, man. 
what I was going to say before is for real a shout out to not being segregated. So this what what I mean is all the stuff you're talking about, the subtle things, they come about because we live such segregated lives. And so mm-hmm. that includes the church. Uh, it includes where we live. It includes the, the neighborhood you choose to live in. It includes the town you choose to live in, what part of town. And if we were less segregated, we the, a lot of these things would go away because we would learn to trust each other. We would have real relationships. But we just continue to fall back on this whole... As if segregation is no big deal. Like, well, we have different preferences. We have different cultural mm-hmm. preferences. We listen to different music. We just interact differently. So, therefore, you just have all these white people hanging out together and all these black people hanging out together. And because of that, these issues just continue on and on and mm-hmm. on because of the distrust. The stereotypes just continue. Yeah. And so segregation of all kinds is bad. It, it, it produces, and, and tons of my white friends would be upset with me for saying that. I'm not saying you're racist if you live in a pretty segregated, you know, life. I'm saying it's bad. I'm saying it it has bad effects on society. It has bad effects on the interaction between races, on racism. It's it has bad mm-hmm. effects and it's preventable. So why would we why would we not work against it if we had the choice? And we do have the choice. So In conclusion, I have some very pressing things I need to talk to Black Superman about. Uh-oh. Yeah, so we need to see if we can get him in here. Is he sober? I don't. Probably not. New Year's Day, New Year's Eve was just a few <laughs> a few days ago. A few short days ago. <laughs> well, let's bring him in. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's, it's the Black Superman who calls to the other guy. Catch me if you can. Well, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Yeah, I said, don't forget Kwanzaa. Don't forget Kwanzaa. You know I can't forget Kwanzaa. I made Kwanzaa, but that's neither here nor there. What's up, my black uh, king and my beautiful white angel? It's been a minute. It has been a minute. It's 2017, baby. Trump is still in full effect. <laughs> Blacks are still getting beat, and I'm still as powerful as ever. Black Superman, I, I got a yeah Bible trivia question for you. Do it. I can, listen, let's talk about it. All right. I like Bible trivias. I used to know half the people in the Bible. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Do you know what a Gentile is? Uh, a genital? No, a Gentile. A gen- Gentile. A Gentile. Oh, a Gentile is when you spill your drink on the floor. Okay. You spill gin on the floor and well, it becomes a Gentile. What would you do if you were a pastor? Let's not go there. But uh-huh. just, per, just just put yourself in these shoes. Okay. And you're on stage. I could be a pastor, though. You, you're on stage at church. Uh-huh. And you call up a, a, a teenager. Yeah. Who's not really familiar with the Bible. Yeah, and he say what I... They don't really know their words very well. Okay, okay. And, and from the stage, in front of everybody at church, they say, this mystery is that the God... <laughs> this mystery is that through the gospel, the genitals are heirs together <laughs> with Israel. Really? Members, <laughs> members together of one body. 
<laughs> I got to read that. That's the type of Bible I like to read. And he's read the word genitals three times from the stage. You know, you see, I just said genital when you said Gentile. <laughs> see, did y'all is laugh honest, at Is it an honest mistake? Did y'all laugh at him? There were people in the crowd laughing. You see, I oh, tried man. really hard not to laugh. I was on stage, though. Was you? I was. I had to exit stage so that I could bury my face. Oh, man. I can't believe he said that. Well, what would you do? What would I do? Yeah. I would uh, erase it from everybody's memory <laughs> using my uh, uh, my powers. And then I will send that kid back home and make sure he had never come to the church again. Well, it was an honest mistake. He didn't mean it. He just had, he had not really read the Bible much before. Any kid that know the word genital know what Gentile means. He was playing the game. I guarantee you. Who's your youth pastor? His name is Kyle. And Kyle, he see, almost killed a white lady today. Did he? Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> that he got away. Tyler, what would you do in that situation? Uh, slap that kid. <laughs> that, yeah. That happened at Crossroads this last Sunday. Just open want, hand. I want everybody open to know hand. that. Open hand slap. <laughs> Pimp slap. Uh, Black Superman, were you at that alt-right rally that they had in, in Washington? No, nah, man, they told me I couldn't come in because I was black. I tried to come. I heard they were serving the hors d'oeuvres and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the video? Did I watch the video? No, nah, my cable got cut off along with my internet. So, the library downtown, I would go, but they closed for renovation. What? Have you not been paying your bills? That's neither here or there. <laughs> How many times has the church bailed you out on your bills? Well, uh, uh, speaking of that, I'm going to need a loan until next week, Crossroads. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. Just take Life it, has just been take tough. It, just, take, just take it out of the collection place Sunday. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. Or get that poor little white boy that said genitals on stage and take him to a street corner to beg for money. I'll be set for two weeks in no time. Uh, you think there's hope for all of us black Superman? Well, there's no hope for none of you uh, humans. When my race rise up, we shall take over and turn all of y'all into slaves. You, uh, Noah, you will personally be my gym shoe cleaner. That sounds and Tyler good. will be eating grapes with me uh, in uh, the beautiful sun as black kids and children run, run free in freedom. <laughs> and as white people take care of our dirty laundry. You become the read scriptures to us. Eat a mic. You've become much more racist in this new year. Is that a resolution you made? Well, I tried to follow uh, the Christian faith, as you can tell, two episodes ago. But I've been listening to Farrakhan the past two weeks while drowning in my sorrows and my heroin addiction. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tyler, we need, to, we need to get Black Superman some help. Uh, yes, he does. He's struggling. He's on the struggle bus. 
He is on the struggle bus. Listen. I, I, heard, I heard that you had a personal discipleship relationship with him. I guess that's not working out too well. Uh, no, he used to fly above my church and shoot laser beams at us, but that, that does not count as discipleship. Listen, I used to sleep on your church and only just so I'd make it there to eat pie on Sundays. <laughs> they wouldn't let you in, though, right? You said they wouldn't let you in. No, they talking about not true. stealing. Not true. We would never do that. Well, listen up. I got a jet. I got uh, a couple of uh, things to do. Uh, got to make sure I brought this uh, $100 from Kyle's mother so my lights don't get cut off. But listen, I got a jet. Don't forget, white is whack. Black is superior. <laughs> Shout out to Allah. I love you. <laughs> I used to share a dorm with Allah. Most of y'all didn't know that. We went to the same college. It was called Black King's University. Get and off the air. In our Black the class was, uh, it was basically how to deceive black people uh, to make them think you was a god. And Allah got straight A's in that class. So I got to go. Peace out. Love, soul, and chicken grease. Wow. Man, he's crazy, man. What is going on? That was like the most politically incorrect <laughs> interview I think I've ever heard. I think Black Superman needs his own serious he do. satellite radio show. He do. I, I think it will go big. <laughs> that doesn't belong on this show. The, chopping it up does not agree with the, the views of Black Superman. Let's just put that on the record. I, listen. I thought, I thought, I thought y'all at Crossroads were supposed to be straightening that guy out. He, man, listen. He doesn't take discipleship well. No. When you tell him he's in sin... He's like, he's, he'll he'll try to kill you or something, man. Like, just like Noah. Just like Noah. Just no. like his pastor. <laughs> but did you catch, man? He said he was in class with Allah and majoring in how to te- how to deceive people and thinking you're God. Something's wrong with that guy, man. Now we're going to get some emails. I hope we do. Help us. Send shout some words of encouragement five. to Black Superman. Shout out to the 5%, shout out to the 5% Nation. <laughs> I think Superman started that He probably did He started everything He did It makes sense It makes sense He's seen better days though I believe Yeah Hopefully one day he'll be confessing Christ as his savior I hope so Yeah We can only hope The Lord is patient He's kind Obviously obviously, y'all don't preach the gospel at y'all church Well you know We do I'm- It's just This guy he's He's when he's here at church, he's drunk and he's he's sleep. He only comes here to use the toilet. He does not actually go to this church. He just and goes get, to the bathroom here. He's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> he's the reason why we have to keep the doors closed and locked. Yes. At night, because he sleeps in the bathroom. Yes, wow. he does. Yeah. Yes, he does. I've never seen a homeless superhero. That, takes all, it takes all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. It takes all kinds, and we're all beautiful. We are black. Well, black is beautiful. God made us all beautiful. We're one race. <laughs> We're one race. Let's be debated. Let's, uh, let's be debated. Well, this wraps up episode nine of the Chopping It Up podcast. Wow. Nine episodes. Nine episodes of history. That's right. In the books. That's right. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on iTunes. And you can send us emails to Chopping It Up podcast at Gmail. Gmail. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well. 
Chopping It Up podcast. Go follow us. We have no followers. We're lame. That is not something we should admit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true. Just like racism. We don't want to admit it, but it's true. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Peace. Oh, my God.